This morning's scripture reading is a compilation of verses on the importance of God's word. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. The unfolding of your words gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Before we get into the sermon this morning, I want to take a moment to emphasize an announcement you already heard made, which is that we've only got one week left to register for the all-church Retreat. So if you're planning on coming, I hope that you will go ahead and, and register today when you get home. If you weren't planning on coming, I hope that you will change your plans and uh, decide to come. What we've been saying every week for the past few weeks is that this is a big deal. This, this retreat thing is not like uh, extra credit for just kind of a few insiders. This is one of the main things we do every year at our church. And if you miss it, uh, it doesn't come around again for a whole nother year. You kind of miss the boat. So what we've been saying is that especially if you haven't come before, especially if you've never been on one of these retreats, I I really hope that you'll consider carving out a weekend uh, because it's it's that important. It's worth it in coming this year, March 3rd through 5th. What we've been doing is I like for you to hear stories from people who came to the retreat for the first time last year. Who, who took the plunge. So you heard from somebody last week. I want you to hear from another couple this morning. Please welcome Clive and Sonia. Hi, good morning. <laughs> I'm Logan. I'm Logan. Um, yeah, he's going to be giving the test. <laughs> um, so uh, we started coming to church about two years ago. Um, and uh, because uh, I grew up going to church myself and uh, being dragged by my parents and uh, hating to wake up early every Sunday morning, and so I wanted to inflict that upon my children. Uh, <laughs> we have a four-year-old and uh, this uh, eight-week-old as well. And uh, so uh, um, we had been coming to church for almost a year, and then uh, um, we were just uh, coming to service and then rushed to pick up our daughter, and then uh, we didn't really have an opportunity to meet uh, uh, people beyond the formal greetings, so um, um, we decided to go to church, last, uh, to retreat last year, and uh, we didn't have the excuse to go pick up our daughter, and uh, uh, because we got full-time uh, childcare, and so um, we had to mingle and get to know people. And so it was, uh, we started really feeling part of a community. And um, it was also an opportunity for myself to deepen my own faith. And uh, it was the first time I got prayer uh, in my life. And so uh, that was uh, um, a wonderful um, opportunity, not only for myself, but for our family as well. 
Um, I think for Clive, uh, he, that weekend would have been perfect if we had like um, early morning childcare, uh, <laughs> babysitting to recover from the from a little too much fun the night before. <laughs> but I'll have him. <laughs> I'll have him speak for himself. I'll ruin it. Oh, here you go. You want to hold on? Okay. So uh, basically, what uh, Sonia said, and uh, I think the you know because I'm a like such a terrible parent, I think I uh, you know what, I spend the week sort of thinking about like spending more quality time with my daughter, and then at the weekend I spend a lot of time thinking about quality time sort of with other people away from my daughter. So. Uh, I think actually the the great thing about the retreat was the fact that you know you could really do both, and uh, you know there was there was great opportunities to to pr- play with Mila. There's a there's a pool, there's long corridors that she can scream running down, waking people up in the morning. Uh, good places to hide and seek. A lot of uh, fire exits to to go through and, and run away in and get lost. Uh, and then I think uh, on the on the sort of more adult side, I think that the uh, it, you know there was a great opportunity, great messages, good opportunity to to socialise with people, which you know is is hard when you're uh, you got a young family, and and hard if you're you know a little bit shy. And uh, and so uh, you know I think that was really good, and uh, there was a lot of things for everybody. There was uh, there was. There was dancing. There was a lot of dancing, right? We, we did a lot of dancing. Uh, there was dance classes. There was running. There was, I think I ran the, the most miles I'd ever ran because we got lost along a canal. Uh, and then, um, then there's also, you know, very important for me, uh, alcohol. And there was quite a lot of that as well. And so, um, and so yeah, so it was, it was a great time. And I think that, um, you know, when I was going there, I, you know, Sonia's fearless about... Uh, Doing, doing things like this and uh, going on retreats and, and, and stuff like that, yoga retreats. And, and, uh, and I don't, you know, don't really sort of, you know, I'd rather stay at home and watch a Korean drama or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, and, but, so, no, there's a good, it's a good one. We just watched a good one. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I, it was, it, it actually was really good. Like in the car, I was sort of, whining more than Mila on the way out and on the way back I was really happy I went so uh, it was great so if I you know if you're a young kid young young family young old whatever it was, it was really good and I uh, I highly encourage you to come it was really well organized and great for the kids cheers All of that was highly scripted and vetted ahead of time. Um, but the point is, you're not, you just don't have a good excuse. There's nothing you're going to do with this weekend that's going to be better than this. So please come. Uh, we don't care. We really, I don't care if you pay or not, even. You know, we, we give scholarships to people every year. We take a huge loss, even if you pay full price. But I, I don't care if you pay at all. You, the registration step and the payment step are actually separate on the website. So just register, and maybe we'll chase you down for the money. Maybe we won't. I don't know. Just, just please register. We don't care whether you pay. We just want you to be there March 3rd through 5th. It's going to be a great weekend. And now let's segue into the uh, the sermon.
So we're, we're in this series we're calling Disciplines, where we're talking about the, the spiritual practices that you have to engage in if you uh, want to grow closer to God, the things you have to do on a regular basis. What are these habits? And we're now in week three. We've talked about some foundational ones, community, sleep. Now, what, we, what I said last week is with week three and four, we're going to talk about uh, the two key private habits that everybody has to do to grow closer to God, which are to read the Bible and to pray. Those are the kind of the diet and exercise of the, the scripture of, of the, the, the spiritual life, the scripture and prayer. So the way I set it up last week is I said, well, we'll talk about Bible reading the first week and prayer this, the second week. And we're, I want to amend that a little bit because we are going to talk about prayer next week. Matt is going to talk about the importance of prayer, uh, kind of the mystery of prayer, the why of prayer. We're going to really dig into that, answer a lot of questions that I think all of us have about prayer. That's next week. To, if it was kind of symmetrical, what I would have done this week is done the same thing for Scripture. Talked about the importance of Scripture, the answered questions people have about Scripture. Talked about why this is such an important part of the Christian life. And the reason I've decided not to do that is actually because of something that happened in our community group a couple of weeks ago. So if you're part of a community group, you remember that one of the questions on the sheet for the time of sharing a couple of weeks back was, you know, since the beginning of the year, everybody went around and the question was, what's one thing you want to start doing and one thing you want to stop doing in 2017. Well, in our group, I don't know if it's just because everybody was, you know, at church group, so they're trying to say something spiritual, but I, it seemed genuine. Basically, every person all the way around said, the thing I want to start doing in 2017 is reading the Bible more regularly and praying more regularly. And so, you know, we, we email out the prayer requests uh, afterwards, and, and so I look at scanning down the list of what everybody said. You know, it's like the same thing next to every name. And in 2017, I want to read the Bible more and pray more. Well, I've been a part of a lot of these types of groups for a long time. And so I've heard people say this every January for a lot of years, and I've said it myself every January for a lot of years. And so what I left that group thinking about was, how can we make this happen? Not just our group, but at our church. How can we become a group of people, not that talks about doing this, that gives lip service to reading scripture, the importance of prayer, but that actually does this? And what I realized is, is not that you need to be convinced that it's a good idea. If that was the problem, then we wouldn't have had everybody in the group already go around and say, this is what I want to do in 2017. So you don't really need another message on that, on the importance of reading the Bible and how it's a good thing to do. It's not so much that you need to know why you need to do this. It's more that you just need to be convinced that you can do it, that it is doable. And that's what I want to do this morning, is convince you that this is something, this daily time of reading scripture and praying is something that you can do. It's not for super Christians. It's not for the elite. It's something that you can do. You just have to decide to do it, and it's completely within your control. Versus a lot of other stuff we talk about in the spiritual life. So we say all the time on Sunday morning that there's all these things that are outside of your control spiritually. It's not within your control whether God's spirit pierces your heart or not, whether you feel him, whether you feel his presence, whether you're convicted of your sin. You can't control that. You can't control whether you feel like he's speaking to you or not. You can't control whether you feel drawn to him or not. You can't even control whether you want to read the Bible or not. That's what's so interesting about going around the circle and everybody says, I want to read the Bible. Well, naturally, people don't want to read the Bible. 
That's not, you didn't give yourself that desire. God gave you that desire. If you have a desire to read God's word, that came from him. You can't control that. He gave that to you. But the next step is up to you. The next step is only something that you can do, which is to just decide to do it. And God's not going to do it for you. So it's not a matter of needing to pray and say, you know, God, please, please make this happen. Please make, make it happen so I read the Bible and pray every day. Well, he's not. He's not going to make it happen. He's not going to do it for you. Why? Because you can do it all by yourself. And what every good parent knows is that to do something for your kid that they can do for themselves, that's not only unnecessary, it's wrong. It's parental malpractice. They got to do it themselves. And that's what God is sitting here waiting. He says, you, you say you want to do this, just do it. So that's what I'm going to try to convince you of this morning. Talk about kind of the, some of the how, some of the logistics of it. Now, what I don't like about this sermon is that it's, it's all or nothing. So what I mean by that is, ideally, you know, I, I'd like there to be a little bit something for everybody on Sundays so that if you don't really get the main point or you're not, you're not really that into the main point, there's still kind of some takeaway or something for you to think about. Um, and kind of wherever you are spiritually, there, there's something for you. This morning, it's all or nothing in that for some of you, this, I have no doubt that for some of you, this will be the most important sermon you ever hear in your life. Not because of anything I say, not because there's any great ideas in it, it's very simple, but just because this will be the week that you finally decide to do this. And deciding to do this on a daily basis is going to change your life far more than anything that I could ever say. So that's for some of you. For others of you, you're just not going to do it, and that's fine. You know, maybe you're not at the point yet to start doing it, and I don't, it's not supposed to be a guilt trip. But for you, there's basically nothing here because it's kind of you do it or or you don't. So I hate that aspect of it. I hate that some of the, for some of you this this message is going to be kind of meaningless. But for others of you, like I said, for others of you, this really will be the most important sermon you ever hear. So uh, four points, four things to. It's four steps, basically, that you got to do to start this, this habit. We're going to walk through them one at a time, and we'll put them up on the screen as we go. So number one, resolve. Resolve to have a daily meeting with God of at least 45 minutes every weekday for the rest of your life. Resolve to have a daily meeting with God of at least 45 minutes every weekday for the rest of your life. Let me, let me break that down a little bit. First, the uh, daily meeting. That's what this is. It's a daily meeting with God. And that's the first thing you got to get straight in your mind. Because it's an issue. It's, not, it's just not a, like a, a cute title. It's an issue of purpose, and it's an issue of uh, ends versus means. So reading the Bible actually isn't an end in itself. Unless you like are a biblical scholar, and this is what you do for work, why, why would you read this? This book, it's not an end in itself. Prayer isn't an end in itself. You know, this, this spiritual exercise, who cares? These are both means to an end. They are the, the two designated means toward the end of connecting with your creator. They're the ways, the activities you do to have this point of connection between you and God every day. You're meeting with God. Now, why do I say 45 minutes? You might have heard people say, you know, start with uh, 15 minutes, you know, to try to make it easier. Start with 15 minutes a day. And I'm saying three times that is the minimum. And I do think it is the minimum. Why? Well, so you can try 15 minutes. That's fine. The reason I'm recommending 45 instead of 15 is because I actually think it will be much easier for you to keep a 45-minute meeting each day than a 15-minute meeting. 
And the reason for that is that uh, for most people, again, you may be different, but for most people, 15 minutes isn't long enough for anything to happen. So it, it takes almost 15 minutes just to quiet your mind down. And and something happening is key because if nothing happens, then why are you going to keep doing it? That's the other question I asked myself this week is, is why do people keep saying, I want to start this habit. I want to read the Bible more. I want to pray more. And they start doing it and then they stop doing it. And I think the answer to that is obvious, which is you start doing it and you don't get anything out of it. So if you don't get anything out of it, why would you keep doing it. Again, it's a means to an end. It's not just for the sake of, of checking the box. You, you need to be getting something out of it. So then the question is, well, why aren't you getting anything out of it? And I think the answer to that is you're not getting anything out of it because you're not putting enough into it. 15 minutes just, just isn't enough. Whereas if you give it the full 45, a minimum of 45, stuff does happen. And when stuff does happen, then that's the positive reinforcement you need. You know, behavior that gets rewarded gets repeated. You got to start seeing those rewards from having this meeting if you're going to be having it on a regular basis. Then it draws you back in. Now, the reason I say every weekday, five days a week is because, like we're going to talk about in just a second, I want you to, to slot this into your everyday routine People's lives, for the most part, are kind of more uh, routinized on during the week than they are on the weekend. Uh, I'm really not a fan of 365-day-a-year Bible reading plans, you know, seven days a week. If it works for you, great. But in my experience, nobody can do seven days a week. And so then you inevitably get behind, and you're, you know, you're on January 18th, and it's February 27th, and you just feel bad, and then you quit. So I would recommend... Instead of shorter amounts of time and trying to do seven days a week, 45 minutes is, is enough time to have a meeting. Again, it's a meeting. You don't say, I'm going to meet somebody for coffee and then get up 15 minutes later. It's a meeting. It's got to be long enough to actually meet with God. So that's the first thing. Resolve. To have a daily meeting, five days a week, 45 minutes with God for the rest of your life. Now, when I say resolve in the, the rest of your life part at the end, what that's saying is, so if you don't do five days next week, big deal. You got the rest of your life. The idea is at, at some point, maybe it's in the next year, maybe it's in the next two years, this is what you're working toward. You saying to yourself, I'm going to be this person. I'm going to be this person. There's no reason I can't be. I'm going to be this person that has this daily meeting with God every day for the rest of my life. And at some point, if, if you're resolved, you will get there. So that takes us to the second thing. Number two, figure out what you're going to cheat to gain those 45 minutes. To figure out what you're going to cheat to gain those 45 minutes. So on the one hand, uh, you know, so everybody's thinking the same thing right now, which is, well, I just don't have 45 minutes. I can't afford 45 minutes a day. That, that's false. That's not true. You can. I don't care how busy you are. I don't care how important you are. There are people that are a lot busier and a lot more important and have a lot higher stress jobs than you that are making this happen. So what's your excuse? On the one hand. On the other hand, no matter how lazy you are and how unstructured your day is and how unbusy you are, even to the opposite extreme, everybody is already doing something for 24 hours a day. So whether that's eating, sleeping, watching TV, working, it doesn't matter. Everybody's doing something. Your body and your brain are somewhere for 24 hours a day. And if you're, if you're not currently meeting with God for 45 minutes, 
Well, then what that means is that you're going to have to do 45 minutes less of something. No matter who you are, in order to make this happen, you will have to do 45 minutes less of something. You can't just add it in and have a 24-hour, 45-minute day. So then the question is, well, what am I going to cheat? What am I going to do 45 minutes less of to make this happen? The first two places people's minds always go when they're faced with that question is sleep and TV. So they think, well, I'll sleep less. You know, I'll just get up earlier to make this happen. Um, or I'll, I'll do this instead of watching TV at night. I don't think either of those are good ideas. We, we talked about last week how cheating sleep, you almost always lose out when you cheat sleep. So if you try to sleep less to make this happen, I, I don't think it's necessarily going to work. And then the same thing with TV. You know, that seems like such an obvious swap. Well, this is my least productive time each day, and I'll, so I'll swap TV and, and read scripture and pray instead. Well, there's a number of problems with that. Number one, it's at the end of the day, you're tired, you know. So, t- t- like we talked about last week, just because you have enough energy to watch TV doesn't mean you have enough energy to read scripture and, and pray. And the other problem is it's just kind of a a tall order. Like you're going from something very stimulating and kind of fun and relaxing to something very demanding. It's a very hard swap to make. If you feel called to do this and you think you could do it, go for it. But I just, I don't think that these are the only two places to cheat. This is what we always think is I got to sleep less or I got to watch less TV. And I think there's another option. So where I would recommend that you cheat to get this 45 minutes a day is that you cheat work. That you work 45 minutes less every day than you are currently working. No matter how much you're currently working, just work 45 minutes less. And arguably, this is exactly the swap that Scripture itself tells you to make. Swap work for meeting with God. So there's that that passage that comes to mind, which we've looked at several times before on Sunday mornings, with Mary and Martha, you know, in the Gospels, where... So they're both working, Martha and Mary are both working, getting ready for uh, Jesus to come stay as a house guest. So they're getting all the food ready, they're making up the guest bed, whatever it is. Jesus gets there early, and uh, Mary stops working to meet with Jesus, just to sit with him. Martha keeps working to get all the work done. And Jesus just flat out says, straight up, he says, Mary chose what was better. And, you know, type A people hate this story. It drives us crazy because it just seems so unfair. But that's who it's there for. The story is there for the type A people. And the point is, when God is is ready to meet with you, when it's time to meet with God, there's always still going to be stuff left on your to-do list. There's always still going to be work to be done. See, we think, okay, I'll I'll finish everything. And then once I get everything, then my mind will be clear and I can meet with God. That's just not how it works. You have to leave that stuff undone. Done. You have to cheat work and give this time over to God instead. Now, best case scenario, the way this works out in the long run, it might not work this way in, in the short run, but in the long run, what happens is you're, like we've talked about with everything, with giving, when you give God your time and your money, you actually end up coming out ahead because you're more focused. You realize your priorities, and you get more done with 45 minutes less by cheating work than you would if you had just worked that 45 minutes instead. So that's the second thing. you gotta, you got to cheat somewhere. Maybe it's not work. That's my, my first recommendation is to cheat work. Maybe it's not work, but you have to cheat somewhere. And wherever it is, got to be conscious about what you're giving up. 
one last thing on this before we move on to the third one, which is kind of like a, an additional reason why I think it makes so much sense to cheat work instead of cheating something else. Is if you if you cheat, let's say you, you say I'm going to not watch TV to do this. Well, then what you have is this like really hard virtue that you're trying to develop where I'm going to be good and not watch TV and I'm going to pray and say, you know, I'm becoming religious. I'm, I'm turning over a new leaf. And when you do it, you know, you pat yourself on the back and you're proud of yourself. It's like flossing, essentially. You know, you do this like good, virtuous thing. And when you don't do it, you feel bad and you're always tempted not to do it because it's so much harder than what you might otherwise be doing and you feel guilty and then you kind of beat yourself up. Versus if you cheat work, if you work 45 minutes less a day to do this, then you're not really being virtuous. You're almost being like delinquent. You know, like you're, you're almost getting away with something. And then what it becomes is if you take a break from work to do this, then instead of this like, um, you know, good virtuous habit, what it becomes is, and what, what the way the Bible talks about it is it becomes rest. That's what the, the song talked about right before the sermon this morning. My soul finds rest in God alone. Or there's that verse where Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. In other words, overworked. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Or uh, even more famous than that, maybe the most famous chapter in the whole Bible is the 23rd Psalm where it says, he makes me, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And that's what you do. When you swap work, 45 minutes less work for this, you gain rest and it becomes this thing that you can look forward to instead of this virtuous habit that you have to keep up. So that's the second thing. Decide where you're going to cheat. Number three, Determine a meeting time and location. Third thing you have to do is determine a meeting time and location. So again, it's a meeting. If you're going to meet somebody, you've got to figure out where you're going to meet, and you've got to figure out what time you're going to meet. And if it's an important meeting, you put some thought into it. Where's the best place going to be to meet, and, and what's the best time of day going to be to make this meeting as productive as possible? So where are you going to meet? And what time are you going to meet with God? These five days a week. Best case scenario, it's the same place, same time every day. Now again here, there's kind of a classic answer. Just like the classic answer to what am I going to cheat is, is sleep and TV. There's a classic answer that people always think of when they think of time and location. The classic answer isn't bad, but I, I want you to, to think outside the box. So first let's identify the classic answer, and then let me give you an alternative. So the classic answer in terms of time, when to have this daily meeting, is when you first wake up in the morning. There's a verse that talks about Jesus woke up when it was still dark and got up before everybody else and went out to pray. And again, you know, you think of this virtuous religious person who gets up early to pray. Well, fine. If that works for you, great. And I'm not denying it's a great time of day to do this. So if it works for you to do this first thing in the morning, wonderful. The other thing that people often think to do is to do it last thing at night. Uh, again, it depends on your body clock. Most people are, are too tired last thing to really focus, but maybe for you it works. Maybe for you it works to, to get in bed and have a reading lamp on and have this 45-minute meeting with God last thing before bed. Fine. Those are the, the two classic answers about timing. In terms of location, the, the classic answer there, there's two there as well. Um, it's either like outside, you know, so Jesus, it says he went away to a lonely place to pray. It's out in the wilderness, so people think of, you know, the 
the forest, which doesn't really work around here so much, but, you know, Central Park or whatever, um, or up on the roof. Or the other uh, classic place is there's a verse where Jesus says, go into your uh, closet to pray. So it's like, a, as far as we can tell, it was like a, a cellar, like an actual storage room that people had. And he said, go in there, you know, so you can be totally alone and, and not disturbed by anybody. So either of those are fine. You know, if you have a walk-in closet, most people don't, but you can try that. Or um, if you if you want to get outside, great. But aside from the classic options, again, I'm assuming for some reason, when you've t- tried this before, it hasn't worked. And so why hasn't it worked? Well, probably because you tried the normal ideas and they haven't worked for you. So let me give you an, an alternative. Other than the classic options of first thing in the morning, or last thing before you go to bed, or outside, or in some kind of private closet. And it goes with, with kind of my recommendation from the second point. What I'd recommend you try, and it won't work for everybody, but I, just before you rule it out, think about it. What I recommend you try is that you do this in the middle of your workday, at some point during the middle of your workday. And what's great about that is that nothing reinforces what we were talking about in point two in terms of the break, and the rest like this. So for me, you know, so if you do it at the office, you could do it first thing when you get in, which is great because then you know, it kind of sets your day up. You could do it last thing before you go home, which is great because then it kind of transitions you into seeing your family. For me, I've tried both of those. When I first get in, I'm, I'm anxious to start work. I want to jump in and I kind of rush through the daily meeting. At the end of the day, same thing. I'm anxious to go home and see my family, so I rush through the daily meeting. What has worked so well and so well that it's just now for the first time in my life become consistent is in the middle of the day. So I get in, I start working, whatever I'm working on. And inevitably, everybody, nobody gets in and and works for eight hours straight, you know, perfect momentum, just get stuff done for eight hours. Inevitably, you're going to be working on something and you you hit a wall or you, you start slowing down. Well, what do you do then? What's your break? You know, instead of checking the news, turn off your computer and you have your daily meeting right then. And that's something you look forward to. It's something where you actually, for me, like I would rather do this than work. You know, I'm, I've hit a wall with the work, and I get to look forward to having this daily meeting with God instead. You say, well, it must be nice. You know, you're a pastor. You work for a church. You can do whatever you want. You know, it doesn't work like that for me. You know, I can't do this at my office. Well, again, just... Before you say that, I, I would challenge you on that. So if you have a private closed-door office, you almost certainly can get away with this. Even if you don't, you know, there's likely somewhere you can go at your office and get away with it. Even worst-case scenario, if you're in this big open bullpen with a bunch of other people, you could just do this daily meeting on your computer and you know, put headphones on and do it right there. Nobody's going to be looking at your screen. And you say, well, even if I could get away with it, you know, isn't it like unethical? I mean, aren't they paying me to, to work? No, they're paying you for results. And like we were saying already, there's nothing that's going to make you a better employee. There's nothing that's going to further the interests of your firm more so than you having this daily meeting. So I would encourage you, before you rule it out, try to get creative about, is there a way I could make this, build this in as a break into my workday? It won't work for everybody. I get that. Fine. And if it doesn't work for you, then figure something else out. The point isn't of this third point that you have to do it at work. The point is just think outside the box 
and figure out something that works. Maybe it's you go to the same coffee shop every day and, or the same diner every day and have breakfast with God. Maybe it's you do it right after your workout. You know, you cut your workout a few minutes short. I don't know what it is. Just figure out what works for you. You've got to figure out a time and a place to have this daily meeting. And the fourth thing, the fourth uh, tip here is to consider utilizing your phone and adopting a fluid agenda. Consider utilizing your phone and adopting a fluid agenda. So what do I mean by that? First, on your phone piece. So in that same uh, circle, you know, going around, everybody's saying, what do they want to start doing and what do they want to stop doing in 2017? Everybody said the same thing for start, which is I want to read the Bible and pray more. Almost everybody said the same thing for stop, which is I want to get off my phone. You know, I'm, I'm addicted to my phone. I'm always checking stuff on my phone. Well, so there's an easy swap that can be made here because the, the problem isn't your phone. The problem is the stuff you do on your phone, continually checking email and texts and dumb news stories and social media and stuff that doesn't matter. But, what if, but you're, you're naturally already attracted to your phone. We like our phones. They're, they're shiny. We push buttons. Stuff happens. It moves. They, they, they draw us in. So instead, just put the, the thing you want to do, the place that you want to get away from, it's already sucking you in. Put it on your phone. Read scripture and pray on your phone. Now, it takes some you know, preparation. Like you have to turn off alerts or go into airplane mode or something because you don't want to be interrupted during the middle of your meeting with texts and emails. But if you do that and you take some, some kind of preparatory steps, it actually works quite well because you've got great Bible reading apps on your phone. So one thing that, that I love to do is like you've got uh, apps where for free they've got the audio Bible and so you can read and listen right at the same time which helps you stay focused. And then the other thing is moving on to this fluid agenda part, you know, keep a fluid agenda is um, so we, everybody knows we have problems with multitasking and attention today because of technology, our brains are fried, we can't stay focused on anything for more than two minutes. So instead of completely trying to rewire your brain in order to have this daily meeting and say, well, to to meet with God, I got to be able to read an old text for 45 minutes straight without interruption. Or I got to be able to sit completely still for 45 minutes straight and with, with no stimulus. Well, that's a little bit unrealistic. Instead, what I'd encourage you to do is bring this same kind of multitasking ADD Uh, attention switching mentality to this daily meeting and keep a fluid agenda. What do I mean by that? So you start by reading the Bible or you start by listening to worship music, whatever it is. Stuff's going to pop into your mind. And then you've already got your phone right there and you just swap over to whatever you're thinking of and pray about that. So on my phone, I've got all these different documents. I've got um, the gratitude list, for example. We've talked about that many times before that one way of praying is to keep a list of things you're grateful for. Say, God, I'm grateful for this. So I'll be reading the Bible, and I'll think of something I'm grateful for. I'll pause it. I'll go over to that document. I'll type what I'm grateful for. Right now, I, I just checked before this, the list is at 493 things. You know, I type a, a paragraph or so on each one, so it's like 12,000 words. If you print it out, it'd be like 50 pages. And that's just a little bit at a time every day. So I finish that, then I go back to what I'm reading. Well, then all of a sudden, I think of something I'm worried about or something that I, I need guidance about, something I need wisdom about. So I've got a separate document for that. I go over to the request document, I type something there. God, please give me an answer to this. 
Then I'll get distracted, quote-unquote distracted, start reading the old requests, and happen to see that there was one that I prayed last week that he answered in this dramatic fashion that I hadn't even realized. So type answered. Then I go back to the gratitude doc and say I'm thankful for the answer to that, and then go back to reading. And I've got docs for the people I'm praying for, the friends that I want to invite to church, the people in my community group. And you kind of just go wherever it goes, like a real conversation, you know, and then you go back to reading, you can go back to listening to scripture, and it doesn't have to be this rote thing where, okay, now I'm going to do my request for five minutes. Well, when you do your request for five minutes, all of a sudden you can't think of anything to request, you know, that's, that's how the brain works. But if you just let it flow, it works a lot better. And back to the productivity thing, you're inevitably going to think of stuff you're supposed to do during the day, a lot of which might not have been at the top of your to-do list, but God brings it to mind, and you realize this was actually the most important thing to do today. Anyway, so fluid agenda, like a real conversation with a real person where you move between these different aspects. And what you're going to figure out, if you just commit to doing this 45 minutes a day, is some days nothing will happen, and other days everything will happen. Some days you'll feel like you got nothing to say, some days you'll feel like you, you heard nothing. And other days, not only will you figure out that you have a lot to say to God, but also, far more importantly, you'll figure out that he has a lot to say to you as well. Let's pray. God, we're in awe of the fact that you want to meet with us, that you promise to reveal yourself to us if we just make the time and open ourselves up. You know we've resolved to do this in the past and struggled with it. So we want to commit to you this morning that this is something we're going to do. Whether it works or not at first, we're going to stick with it until it does. We're going to be these people that do this thing. And as we make that step, as we do the part that only we can do and resolve to do this no matter what, I ask that you would do the part that only you can do, which is to actually come and meet with us. Come and show yourself to us. Come and let us experience your presence and be drawn ever more into this relationship with you that, that we are scared of, excited by at the same time. Make it something that is more and more real to us every day as we, as we make this time. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.